Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Way of the High Priestess. I am so excited to be here today with Kat Harris. She's the host of the Refined Collective podcast and the co-founder of the online publication, The Refined Woman. I love that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Her first book, Sexless in the City, will hit bookstores in April 2021. She's also been a full-time photographer for the last decade with her work featured in Vanity Fair, GQ, Forbes, People, Who, What, Where, US Weekly, Glamour UK, and more. And I've, I've loved reading her bio because she coaches and equips women all over the world in dating, relationships, singleness, if you've ever heard of that, sexuality, faith, and how to build a renewed and healthy biblical sexual ethic rooted in freedom, truth, and grace, as opposed to the oh-so-common shame and fear narratives that so many experience growing up in evangelical culture. Kat loves God, personal development, a good Beyonce dance party, and is a ranch dressing connoisseur. That may come up in our conversation. It's very possible. It seems very relevant. Um, she believes in the power of story, that done is better than perfect, quality triumphs quantity, and that the journey is truly the destination. Ultimately, her vision is for women to know their beauty, identity, worth, and value, and to experience untapped freedom and joy in their lives, regardless of their relationship status. I love that. Mm. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Kat. It's it's an honor to have you here today. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm just yeah, really excited to get to know you more and talk about just anything you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's great because I was in preparing for this episode, I was starting to really look at your work and some of the topics that you talk about a lot. And some of them I've never really heard someone talk on before. So I'd love mm -hmm. to just jump in there and talking about um, what sexuality is and who mm -hmm. it belongs to, because something tells me you have a bit of a different perspective on this than some of the other guests I've had on the show. So mm. oh, tell us would... more about, about your, your world when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would love to hear what anyone else thinks about sexuality. My way isn't the way it's just, I'm on a, I'm on a learning and growth journey. Like I think we all are. And this is where I'm at in the story right now. So why I even have thoughts about what sexuality is, is because I grew up in very Southern conservative Christian culture and was given a set of do's and don'ts and rules and scripts about sex, intimacy, my body, who I am as a woman. And I never really questioned those things because I loved God and thought, wow, okay, this must be God's way. And 
I want to honor God. So let me just do these things. Let me be quiet or be quote unquote submissive or not have much of an opinion or let me carry the weight of male sexuality and hide my body because boys will be boys. And so I never really questioned that stuff externally until I moved to New York City upwards of a decade ago now. And found that, you know, oh, wow, it's really a lot harder not to have sex when you're dating because I had adhered to abstinence before marriage. And, and in the wakes of a breakup was at a fork in the road in my faith. And (coughs) excuse me, I was at a fork in the road in my faith and even how I wanted to approach dating. And so I started asking questions like, what is sexuality? What is sexual desire? Is pleasure sinful? Is my body bad? Is sex really meant for marriage only? Um, And so the more and more I researched, the more more questions I had. But in that, I started even just evaluating what is sexuality and what have I always thought sexuality is. And I think when historically, when I've thought of the word sexuality, I think of things like who am I attracted to? I think of things like identity or um, sex and orgasms and physical intimacy. And it was in my research, I came across this one. um, Oh my gosh, I might get her vocation wrong, but I believe she was a scientist and her name is Marva. And she talked about sexuality in this more zoomed out lens And she said, basically, there's social sexuality and genital sexuality. So social sexuality really is the thing inside all humans that propels us outward to be in relationship with each other. And then genital sexuality is when our body parts touch sexually. So i.e. sex, orgasm, orgasms, physical intimacy, And then uh, another woman that I read kind of expanded that even more. She said, sexuality is the desire for humans to connect with lowercase o others. Spirituality is the desire that all humans have to connect with capital O other. So really, we can't talk about spirituality without at some point talking about our sexuality. And we can't talk about our sexuality without with at some point without talking about the divine. And so in that, I started realizing, man, if sexuality were a book, sex and physical intimacy might just be one chapter. And so I think that they're really, I I realized in my own experience that I really flattened the experience of sexuality and desire by making it all about sex and orgasms and physical intimacy. And when I opened up my my mind to thinking, oh, wow, it could actually mean more than that. It could mean more than, oh my gosh, it could mean more than one physical act with another human being. Maybe our sexuality is where we get connected to our creativity because isn't sex about collaboration and intimacy with another person that also has the power to bring new life into the world? So when I'm connected to that churning desire below the surface of my being that gets me into collaboration with other humans to create new things, whether it's a podcast episode or a group of people that come together to make a band and then put music out in the world, whatever it is, I think that our sexuality is so much bigger than just body parts touching 
Yes. I have myself on mute, but I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I love where you're going with this because it really expands the frame of reference around sexuality for so many who also were under the impression because nobody taught us that sexuality is the act of intercourse and it's relegated to the realm of the sexual act itself. And there is this perspective that you're now presenting that says it can be so much more. It can be this collaborative, creative process where there is an intersection of spirituality and sexuality. So for those listening and and so many of us who were not even brought up in a religious construct have the remnants in our beings of shame of sexual shame and the the rules and you know all of all of that. So what would you share for women who are reconciling their sexual identity or renegotiating how they show up to their sexuality with the perspective that okay, sexuality can be so much more than what we mm-hmm. once thought it was. Yeah. Well, gosh, I I have so much empathy for the shame conversation around sexuality and desire and even just existing and breathing as a woman. We are made wrong by breathing. I watched a recent video that Cynthia Nixon was a part of, and it was all about the experience of being a woman. It's like, be small, be a size zero, be small that you disappear. Wait, don't be so small. Don't be too skinny. Guys don't like you if you're too skinny. Okay. Be bigger, body positive. Wait, be smart, but not too smart. Like everything that she was describing as the experience of being a woman. I just felt like it doesn't matter who you are or how you grew up or what you do or do not believe about God or what you have or have not done or experienced sexually at some point shame probably attached itself to your story, whether for being too prude or not prude enough or not being able to keep a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner or being too promiscuous, whatever it is. And so I think when having an honest conversation around sexuality, I think one of the first and most important things, and this is something I'm so passionate about, is first normalizing that we are humans and part of the human experience is being a sexual being. So the idea that I have sexual desire and that I also have desire for sex, the reality that I experience arousal and feel turned on, the idea that I long for pleasure and connection and intimacy I think from the get-go, from the time we're young, we see this even in the way parents talk with their children by not calling their genitals what they actually are, but hoo-hahs and wee-wees. We shame the body even. We shame the sexual organs from the time our kids are children and, and toddlers. I think we need to normalize the experience that we are sexual beings. And then from there ask, okay, how can I walk forward from a place of autonomy, from a place of wholeness, connected to my heart, connected to what it is that I want? How would I show up in all areas of my life, but also how would I show up sexually and romance and even just my own relationship with myself if I believed that my sexual desire was a very normal and good thing? 
Because I think when we shame, shame leads us to isolation. Shame leads us to darkness. Shame keeps us stuck and hidden and small. And so when we are stuck in shame, we, I think that's when our desire can come out sideways or in different avenues that maybe if we were connected to our heart, that's not how it would want to show up. So I think first we get to acknowledge our desire. I'm a human. I have desire. And then once I give myself the permission to acknowledge my desire, then I get to decide how I want to move forward with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's one of the the first biggest steps is acknowledging where we're at and the fact that we have desires and it's okay to have desires which again speaking to the the topic of the Cynthia Nixon video it's like we were told that we're to be needless wantless beings here to serve to serve food and pleasure and it's it's fascinating to be a part of a time where we're literally dismantling these paradigms and we're, we're watching it happen all around us. And even having conversations like this is a revolution compared to where we stood even just a decade ago. So I'd love to hear more about this sexual ethic rooted in freedom. And I think you started to touch on that. And, you know, as we are dismantling our own, these own insidious bits of shame that sometimes we don't even know are there, these, these constructs that have seeped in, whether societal, familial, how do we continue to create a sexual ethic that's rooted in freedom and expression and pleasure? And, and how are we able to, to really acknowledge that it's okay and it's beautiful to, to be a sexual being? Yeah. I, I think first it go, it's first, it's an inside out job. I know for me, for a long time, I grew up in what's known as the purity movement. So sexual purity, you know, no kissing or only kissing at a certain point in your relationship, definitely no hands touching, no sex, no any of that. And so there is this idea of sexual purity and sorry, You can cut that out. I just had a LaCroix burp (laughs) or keep it in, whatever. Um, And so when I talk about sexual ethic, I think what feels inherently so important to me about it is for such a long time, my beliefs, my ethic was coming from external obligation. I felt like a victim to religion. I felt like a victim to what other people wanted me to or not to do. I felt like a victim to the church, to Christianity, what I should do. And I think part of having a healthy sexual ethic is any transformation experience has to start with internal motivation. And so how do we get internally motivated? I think at least for me, I have like a three, like a three pronged approach to developing a, a healthy sexual ethic. And the first part is deconstruction. How did I get here? What do I believe about sex, about pleasure, about my body, about dating, about partnership, about marriage, about gender roles. What do I believe about all of those things? And where did those beliefs come from? So this takes work, work I can't do for you, work that you can't do for another person. But what did you learn about those things from home, from friends, from school, from culture, from religious institutions or churches? 
And how did those narratives that you received at those different places help construct what you currently believe? Because sometimes we don't realize, oh man, my mom said that thing to me 20 years ago. And I had no idea that from that moment on, I believed that if I wore certain clothes that I was asking for it. So it's important to kind of say, okay, here's the belief. The belief is like the lily pad in a pond. And we, we have to go underwater and follow that to the root and go all the way down to the murky, dark, cold pond floor, and then dig underneath the dirt and say, where was the root of this? And then once we get to that root of where did these beliefs come from? I think we get to ask the question, is this rooted in fear or freedom? Or other ways we can put that is, is this rooted in shame, lack, scarcity, victim, condemnation, or is it rooted in love, abundance, hope, possibility, agency? And and still today as a person of faith, I believe that God did not create humans to live in fear or live in shame, but that God, the God message is one of abundance and hope and love and unconditional love. So I can know that any of those beliefs that are rooted, rooted in condemnation and fear are most likely out of alignment with how I want to move forward. So that's part one is the deconstruction. And then number two, how do we rebuild from there? I think sometimes we can realize, oh my gosh, I have a house of cards. Let's blow the whole thing up. And then we have nothing. And then we sit in that deconstruction space forever. But I think we deconstruct so that we can rebuild. Like I still want a house. Like I still want, I still want a bed at night to lay my head down. And so, and maybe another person doesn't, but in that rebuilding, I think the uh, important questions to ask are, what is it that I want? Are my actions in alignment with my ultimate desires? Because even in the way that changed the way I showed up in dating, because I said with my heart and my intention, with my mind, with my words, that I was looking for a long-term committed monogamous relationship. But my actions showed a different story. My actions showed that I was emotionally unavailable, that I was actually looking for something casual. And so when we pause and say, what is it that I want? Then we get to look at our actions and say, okay, is, is how I'm showing up in alignment with what I'm saying that I, that I want. And um, I think our actions, we say our actions can speak louder than words. And so look at what you want. And then what is your source of truth? So if, if you had some narratives in part of your sexual ethic rooted and fear, well, then where can you find an other narratives that are rooted in love and wholeness? What's your source of truth? For me, I went to I went to the scriptures. I went to ancient texts. I went to the Bible. I read scientific research. So I went to religious texts, but then I went to science. I went to philosophers. I read everything from anthropologists to Jewish feminists and um I asked strangers on the street, what do you believe about this stuff? I just was so hungry for wisdom. So where are your sources of truth? What does your personal experience tell you? And I think for me growing up in such a conservative uh, religious environment, I was taught my body's bad. My heart is deceitful above all things. So I didn't trust any of my experiences. I thought, oh, my, my, 
my gut checks aren't right because my body's bad. And yet when I gave myself the permission to realize, you know what? No, I believe that God speaks to me. I believe that the divine is inside me, that the God image is in me. And so that means I can go back and look at all of my experiences and look at what were moments where I abandoned myself. What were moments where my intuition was right? And oh my gosh, I looked back. I actually was on the phone with my best friend today and she goes, if I had a nickel for every single time you said my gut was right, I would be a rich woman because I'm going through a place in my journey where I am learning how much my gut and my intuition has been right the whole time, but I was taught to shut that down. So in that reconstruction, what does your body say? What circumstances do you want to be a part of? What do you not want to be a part of? And then from there, then how do you want to walk forward? So we deconstruct to rebuild and then we get to the practical. I think at least my clients, a lot of people come to me and they're like, so is masturbation bad or is online dating a sin or should I have sex or should I not have sex before marriage? What do you believe about this stuff or what do you not believe? And I think we all want to get to the what. But first, if we want true transformation and true ownership over our sexuality and our sexual ethic, we have to start with the inside. We have to go back to the why. How did I get here? Why did I get here? Then how do I want to move forward? And then how does how I want to move forward impact my day-to-day? Then we get to the practical. Yeah. Oh, there were so many juicy bits in there. And I love that you had a very clear process for that because- Often when we talk about sexuality, there is this nebulous world of intangibles and to have a process for deconstructing our own sexual constructs is so powerful. And this is regardless of whether somebody comes from a religious background or not, because we're so many of us are carrying societal shame, familial shame and narratives around our sexuality, our bodies, what it means to walk as a woman in this world. So I think this conversation is important for any person to have when it comes to sexuality. And I'm I'm really curious to hear, it sounds like there was a turning point for you in your journey. I don't know if it was a singular moment or if it was a progression over time, but at what point, and, and paint the story of, uh, you know, what point you were like, okay, these narratives that I've been fed don't feel good anymore. I'm going to look for something else. And now here I am coming from this world where I grew up in, you know, these religious constructs with narratives to being a woman who speaks on this openly and shows others how to embrace their sexuality in a way that's rooted in freedom and personal alignment. So what was that path for you? Oh my gosh. Well, first (laughs) of all, this is never in a thousand years, anything that I thought was going to be my shtick that was going to be anything that I talked about publicly for, gosh, about five, six years. This was just a journey that I was going on in real time with my community, with myself, with God. And I shared a little bit earlier that what propelled me on this journey was I was on the heels of this breakup. I had started dating this guy and it was hot and heavy and I fell head over heels and up until that point had never had sex. And him and I didn't have sex, but I was very confused with 
what it was that I wanted moving forward. And ultimately he was like, it's a deal breaker for me not to have sex. And so this isn't going to work. And I was so torn. I wanted to have sex with him, but I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I can't, I don't want to sin. And so in that breakup, I just realized I have no idea what I believe about sex outside of what the church told me, what other people told me. And so I decided to actually, I didn't just like decide to my best friend who is not a person of faith and doesn't share my sexual ethic or didn't share my sexual ethic as it was. She loved casual sex and all of that stuff. I went to her cause I thought, Oh, she'll support me having sex moving forward. And I told her I'm going to start having casual sex. And she looked at me and goes, no way. And I was like, what, what do you mean? No way. And she said, I want you to have sex. so You can just get on with your life, but sex has meant something to you and it's meant something to you and your faith. And she said, until you deal, do some real soul searching and figure out what you believe about God and sex, she goes, she, whenever she talks about Jesus, she always puts them in quotation marks. <laughs> she was like, go pray to Jesus, <laughs> go read your Bible and figure out what you believe. And she was like, if you can come back to me and tell me like, this is why I want to move forward having sex. She's like, I will be your number one champion, but be willing to do the work. Mm, and wow. I just thought that's a good friend. Hell yeah. That's a you great know? friend. That's, I mean, she's, ugh. and it, what's funny is, uh, I talk about that story in my book, Sexless in the City. And she's like, I don't even remember that conversation. <laughs> she's like, maybe God was speaking through me. Um, so it's funny because that was such a pivotal moment for me. That was the moment I decided, wow, I do need to go on a journey. And I the journey started with me researching every verse in the Bible that talked about sex and intimacy and relationships because I had experienced so much shame that I was like, is this the same message in the scriptures? Because it seems like Jesus loves people and doesn't bring shame to people. But my experience in the church was very shame filled. And so from the scriptures, I thought it would be like a two hour Google search. And then like, here I am almost a decade later, still researching it. Um, but I found this like beautiful vision for sex that got lost in a set of rules. I found it, and this felt very, it, it rung true to me that the physical with God was never about the physical, that, that maybe sex wasn't just about technique or mechanics, but perhaps it has the possibility of being the manifestation of, of something that's going on underneath the surface. And that felt really beautiful to me. And when I searched, when I researched scientific evidence, I found things like anthropologist Helen Fisher talked about how neurologically when we experience orgasm with another person or even just sexual pleasure, so not even climaxing, that there's this outpouring, this mega outpouring of dopamine and oxytocin and how those things combined together are this like magic elixir that 
are neurologically designed to bond us with another human being. Like literally new bicycle neural pathways are created in our brains when we experience pleasure with another human. And so people like Helen Fisher don't believe there's any such thing as casual sex. And I had never heard that outside of like a religious context. Like I'd always heard that in a religious context, like, oh, like, Oh, you only have sex with one person and everything else is bad. And, and Helen Fisher wasn't saying like casual sex is bad. She was just saying like, here's what happens in our brains. And then I looked at my own experiences and sex or not, I realized, wow, like I, I led and have led with the physical a lot in my romantic relationships. Like I'm a very physical person. And I saw like a pattern of dating men that weren't a good fit for me, but that I didn't have the discernment for that because the physical had really clouded that for me. And so not that the physical was bad, but I saw, oh, wow, interesting. Like, I actually feel like there's some wisdom in holding back on the physical for a time so that I can decide, is this person a good fit for me? Are we in alignment with our purpose and calling. And does this person want kids? Like, are they ready to settle down or whatever? I realized, okay, I got really clear with what I wanted and I wanted to make sure that I was with someone that that was in alignment with. So the big cosmic joke was that I ended this journey more conservative than when I started. Um, as far as like what my own personal physical boundaries are in relationships. However, I'm not here to say do it my way. I think that one of the most transformational parts of that experience was giving myself the permission to ask the questions and then giving myself the permission to take ownership over what it was that I wanted and, and why I was showing up the way I was showing up. And I feel like if there's anything I want to empower any human with is for, for you to be empowered, to go on a journey of discovery of figuring out what you believe and why about how you're showing up in your relationships and romantically and or sexually. And if it's out of alignment with what you believe and who you are, then you have the authority to change that. Like you are not a victim to external expectations. And so it's funny because I'm making similar physical boundary decisions in my dating life at this point. However, everything's different for me. I feel empowered. I feel free. I feel excited about communicating my boundaries because i I feel very internally motivated as opposed to, I can't do this because they said I couldn't. Yeah. I think that's a major shift. And for anyone listening, what I want to underscore is that it, you know, we have the power within us to create the narratives and the stories that we want to live into. And it doesn't have to, you know, perhaps we could certainly go on a, a, a decade long search. And with that internal desire to want to ask some questions and be with what's here and what we have felt or what we've abided by, what feels in alignment, what doesn't feel in alignment, we can create some pretty dramatic shifts in a, in a short amount of time. And it, it's incredible. I've, I'm on this journey to sexual renegotiation myself. I've been in a a long-term partnership for close to two years And I had always known myself in my early dating life to be the sexual vixen. 
I had sex for the first time at a very young age. And that was where I sought to gain love and approval and validation. And I used those early relationships to get something that I didn't get in early childhood from my father, which is our typically our first beloved as little girls. Um, and fascinating that now as an adult woman, I'm renegotiating sexuality and I'm, I'm in a similar journey now. What are my beliefs? What does this mean to me? What is the frame and the container for my sexuality? And I've, I've come to learn that I get to explore so many deep emotions. I've explored aggression through my sexuality. I've explored sadness. I've explored desire. I've explored power. I've explored timidness and submission. It's It has been a beautiful, beautiful exploration with my partner. Um, something I'm curious to hear from you, Kat, is what are you loving most about where you're at in terms of your sexuality right now? So I, I heard boundaries, expression, feeling free, but like what is turning you on the most about this juncture of your journey? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. And I, I love what you just shared about how you've just given yourself the permission to explore and even just allow yourself to process different emotions through different sexual experiences. And I think there can be a playfulness in that too, right? Like, like sex, sexuality and desire doesn't have to be, it can be that vixen. It can be that, that passion. And it also can be playful and fun and sad and timid. And I think the important part and, and maybe, and perhaps this is what I feel so excited about is I think the important part is to be able to show up from a place of, enthusiastic consent, whatever it is that your boundary is or isn't. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm in a place where I can be like, before this date tonight, this is what I want to happen. And this is what I don't want to happen. And then I get to communicate that. And I think before, I think for most of my life, I felt, I didn't even think about, oh, before I meet up with this person, or even if I had been dating someone for a long time, this is what I do or do not want to happen tonight. I kind of just let myself be along for any of the ride. And, and I think there's like beauty and spontaneity, but I also think it's so empowering to pause and think about what it is that I want. And then to have the confidence and, and be empowered to own that and not be ashamed of it. Cause I think for so long, because I felt so ashamed of my sexuality, I thought it was bad and gross and pleasure was sinful. And then I also felt ashamed about talking about sex, about thinking about sexuality that I would never think about anything outside of the situation. And then because of that, I would get in situations that I wouldn't necessarily want to be in. Or maybe I would do things that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing, or I wouldn't check in with my partner and ask, is this something you want to do? Because I didn't have that muscle of consent strengthened. And I remember one time I was fooling around with a guy I was dating and he, he was like, oh, like, I feel like he, he was like, I want to just like explore each other, but it feels weird talking about it because that takes the sexiness out of it. And I didn't have the wherewithal at the time, but now I'm like, consent is freaking sexy. 
to be able to say, I want you to do this to me because it turns me on. Like to me, that is sexy because ultimately like my pleasure is my responsibility and their pleasure is their responsibility. And we get to communicate that in collaboration. And so I think that's what, that's what I feel excited about turned on by is wow. Like I feel confident about what I want and I feel like I have the tools and the authority to, to own that and to take up space in the world and take up space in my encounters and in my relationships. Oh my gosh. That is so sexy. <laughs> there, there really is nothing sexier. And I, I love your, the cadence of your, your words changed, uh, in, in a part of that. And I could totally feel this, this beautiful empowered sass come out in, in where you stand now in your sexuality, which is amazing. It's thrilling and empowering. And I, one of the things I want to underscore here is my pleasure is my responsibility and their pleasure is their responsibility. And we get to communicate in collaboration, which is huge because so many women have taken on their partner's pleasure as their responsibility, being a muse or, you know, whatever it is. And typically because of what's modeled in porn. And I sat in that narrative for a very long time, practicing all the right moves and sounds and making sure I was desirable enough to keep him around and more desirable than the other women out there. And it was, God, it was like a second job, like incredibly exhausting and really took away from my pleasure. So I love that you shared that um, because I, I think that also calls back to how we can show up in integrity in our sexuality because our pleasure is not our partner's responsibility, just like their pleasure is not ours. Now, of course, we come together in collaboration and we share pleasure and it becomes this beautiful uh, mix and dance. And I think it's it's so important for us as women to do that inner soul searching and ask, what are my preferences? What are my desires? What do I like? What do I not like? What do I like when I'm on my period? What do I like when I'm ovulating? How can I communicate that if that feels challenging for me? And, and even that inquiry of, okay, I'm about to go on a date. What am I game for today? Like, what's my yes? What's my no? What's my maybe? Where, where do I stand with this? And what, what am I willing to be flexible on as I feel turned on or turned off in this interaction? So I love that. And I, I, there's such a huge component here. You know, the last thing I want to touch on is showing up to our sexuality with integrity and and the word that feels synonymous for me that you use is with ethic. What are our ethics, our beliefs around our sexuality and how we want to show up? And the word that I use is integrity. Like how do I how do I show up in a way that feels an integrity for me in how I communicate and how I share myself and how I hold space for someone else to share themselves is so important. And that, that personal responsibility piece goes such a long way. And, you know, something that I think you're making very clear here is that being in that place of personal responsibility and communication does not suck the sexiness out of the interaction. It can add to the sexiness when we find that balance of sharing our boundaries and our needs and then letting things flow within that preset container and letting the magic happen 
once the safety has been created. And I think there is so much sexiness in safety. I love that you hit on that. Mm, yeah. And even I, I was talking with a guy friend a few years ago and he said, women just want us to be mind readers, you know? So I think you said women, we can play this role of muse of, okay, I have to perform. But then I think also what we can do in response is expect our partners to read our minds. And my guy friend said, every woman has a different playbook. We want to please you. Please tell us how to do that. Give us your playbook. And so I think, yeah, that I had never heard a guy say it like that before. Like every, every woman has a different playbook and what even in our, what maybe even what worked for me yesterday, isn't going to work tomorrow or what worked five years ago, isn't going to work in five years from now, which is why communication is so important. Playfulness, humility, growth mindset, all of that stuff. And, you know, I do believe how we show up for one thing is how we show up for everything. So how am I showing up in integrity in the bedroom? How am I showing up in integrity in my career, in my relationships? And that's, I'm so much more interested in a conversation on sexual integrity than, than so much of the atmosphere I grew up in this idea of sexual purity. Like what makes you pure? What makes you dirty? I'm like, no, I'm very uninterested in that. How can we have a conversation about uh, how can I show up from a place where I am staying true to myself? where I am not abandoning myself, where I am not pretending not to know, where I'm just missing my intuition. Um, I think that is powerful. I think it's so powerful to show up in ownership. And then when I show up free and whole, like free people, free people, right? And so when I get to lead with vulnerability and share, here's my heart, here's where I'm at, here's what I do or do not want, here's what I desire, then that creates the space also for your partner to share safely. Kind of like you were saying, like safety is sexy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so if you could tune in, what is one thing that you would want all women to know when it comes to their journey with sexuality? I would say that you have the permission to want whatever that may be. You have the permission to desire and you have the permission to hold that space and own that whatever your decision is. Yeah. Beautiful. Cheers to that. Kat, it has been such a pleasure. And I feel like I can use that word very intentionally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> closing this conversation, a very happy ending indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We'll keep I the know. puns coming. <laughs> yes. Now that I have this sexless book out, I'm like, I can just make, yeah, pun is intended. We're going to, we're going to make <laughs> all the puns, all the sexual puns. We're doing it. Oh my gosh. What a, like, what a way to set your life up for like such massive fun, like sexual <laughs> puns all day. Yes. Um, can you please tell listeners where they can find you and mm -hmm. just 
you know, share a, a little brief about your book as we wrap up here. Yeah, for sure. So my book is called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And you can learn more about that at sexlessinthecitybook.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, wherever you buy books. And that really is, it's a lot of what we talked about here, that journey for me of growing up in conservative culture and coming to a fork in the road where I needed to figure out what I believed about God and sex and how to build a healthy and holistic sexual ethic. And so that's what that book is about. I have a weekly podcast called The Refined Collective and my website and social media is The Refined Woman. So come say hi, slide into my DMs. Let's talk. I I talk about a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff on my on my platform. So would love to chat. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to tune into the book. And you said that's coming out April, this next April 20th. coming month. Okay. Yep, 420, baby. 420. <laughs> Let's do it. Maybe I'll just get high and listen to your book at the same time. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> My dear, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey on the show today. For more uh, about Kat, I will have all of her information in the show notes for the ladies tuning in and wishing everyone a very sexy day. Much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that. www.leenoto.com Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.